Good morning. We're finally here. It's good to, it's, it's a joy to be with you. I, I have good news. Jesus has a lot of good news. Amen. He is good news. So he, and uh, amen. It's, uh, we have, uh, there's a lot of things that's stirring in my heart. I'm going to uh, do my best to yield to God. Uh, it's on his hands. Amen. And uh, but most important is we're so honored that His presence is here, yeah. Amen. Jesus is, He's here, and we are so we're blessed just to be worshiping with you, and uh, and I'm, I will give some reports. I, I, I may end up sharing a couple of short videos just so that you get to see, visualize w- what we're doing. Uh, one video is of uh, just a different work that we're doing, which is really one vision, but just the different things that we're doing. And, uh, and also, uh, if time allows, we may, I may share like a, a baptism video that we just did exactly a month ago, the last weekend before, I left, uh, before we left to fly here, uh, which is pretty powerful. And um, so, a time allows, amen. And you know, I've, uh, I want to thank you really, it's, uh, and thank Pastor Eric and, and Matthew and the, the leadership here, uh, that you really, uh, you really came, I don't know, behind us, with us, before us, I don't know, uh, just joined us and, and, and really took us in as a family and supporting us when it was still just a vision and uh, before we left. And now we've been there three and a half years, and uh, we've been there, yes, in North Iraq, three and a half years. And uh, I tell you, it is exciting um, to see what Jesus is doing. The things that we were seeking God about and dreaming about, we are starting to live it now. It's no longer something that we just see God about and hope to see. We're actually living it. We're seeing all kinds of healings taking place. Muslims are having dreams of Jesus continually. We are discipling people from Muslim background. I mean, Muslims are coming to Jesus. We work with people from Iraq, from Iran, from Syria. Disciples are being made, and they're being raised up as leaders. Thank you, Jesus. It is no longer seen as, you know, uh, it's looked at the Middle East as, you know, one of the most difficult places in the world, and Working Muslims have been something like, you know, extremely, extremely difficult, which is hard. But to, it's almost like impossible. For many years, people looked at Muslims like impossible to reach. And, uh, and, and many, even workers, many believers, many missionaries have stayed away from those countries because of its risk, its difficulties, and all these things. And, uh, but I stand here to tell you today that we are seeing a harvest coming into Jesus from Muslim background. And uh, we are regularly baptizing people from Muslim background. And now, uh, even before, I, I tell you, we are seeing, uh, we've seen a major shift uh, to the point when we first moved there. Uh, myself and David, you'll see him in the video, when we moved there, we, we, uh, we moved there together. And, uh, and, and we used to go out to a place, places like downtown and connecting with Muslims and looking for Muslims who are somewhat open and want to know more. 
and, um, and Carol, my wife, was reminding me of, uh, of, of times, you know, that I would call or, or as soon as I get home, I tell her we found someone who's really open and want to hear. And now it's, we are no longer going looking for them, which we still do, but now they're looking to, for us. Now Muslims are coming to us. And I stand here before you, I'm not exaggerating and telling you that I honestly, I don't have enough time to meet with all the people who have questions, who want us to pray for them, want the, the, us to pray for the sick and have questions to know more about who Jesus is. That's a, that's a good problem, but still a problem. And, uh, and so that's why even this year we are focusing more on actually raising up leaders from Muslim background to do what we do. Hallelujah. Those of you that haven't, uh, maybe uh, they haven't got to meet my wife. Uh, this is my family here, Carol. Hello, Carol. <laughs> and Micah. <laughs> and Zoe, where is she? She's somewhere. She's somewhere with your kids, <laughs> children. In, uh, in Malachi chapter 1, verse 11, it says, uh, you don't need to turn there, I will quote it. Uh, well, you can, you can turn there, but I'm going to go fast. <laughs> in Malachi, oh, there it is. In Malachi 1, 11, it says, my name will be great among the nations. My name will be great among the nations. From the rising to the setting of the sun, in every place, incense and pure offerings will rise, will be brought to my name, because my name will be great among the nations. Amen. It says that in every place, in every place, incense will rise, and a pure offering will be offered to God. Amen. Now, incense, we know it's not referring to, uh, maybe with some of you experience from the Catholic Church, you know, the incense. Where it's talking about us. It's talking about our worship. It's talking about our seeking of Him, our adoration, our prayers, our intercession. The rising up, it says that this will happen in every place. God is not only doing it here in America, and He's doing this all over the world. Even in some of the most darkest places in the world, incense is rising. Amen. And this is what we're experiencing. Some of you uh, may already know, but I'll give you a little background of, uh, you know, the vision, what God spoke to me and my brother uh, David uh, years, a few years ago, which is before we left to go to Iraq. He spoke to us and he showed us uh, this picture of a wheel uh, and to, to tell us exactly what he wants us to build and how to build when we get to Iraq. We knew we would pray. We knew we would evangelize. We knew we were going to lead people to Jesus. We knew that. And, uh, but God clearly gave us specifically some blueprints of how He wanted us to go forward. And it was this picture of a wheel. And the middle of the wheel, the hub, uh, is a twofold focus. It's a house of prayer and a, a, an equipment ministry, a, a training center, like a ministry school. The spokes of the wheel represents the evangelism, the going out. When Jesus sent out the 70s and the 70, and went out by twos, going out, preaching and demonstrating the gospel of the kingdom, looking for the man of peace, you know, when he sent him, you'll find a son of peace, and you stay with him, stay there. And that's what we are doing. And then the rim 
of the wheel of the outside represents the house churches focus more on Muslim background that will be started out of that. And I remember it was clear when his voice came to, uh, uh, you, you know, specifically even about the hub, which is the middle, which is the house of prayer and the teaching of the word, that he says, if this is strong, the rest of the structure will be strong. If the worship is weak, the prayer is weak. If the word is weak, the rest will be weak. So that's why many places know us as a house of prayer, but it's really, it's the church and it's the kingdom of heaven. (laughs) And uh, we just emphasize a lot on worship and prayer because we know that God is building a habitation, a resting place for His presence. And this is the only way we can truly make an impact and not only this, what we brings Him glory. Amen. Amen. And um, I will talk a little bit about that in a, in, a, in a few minutes, about a resting place. And that's why we focus on, on that. You know, in, in, uh, in Islam, uh, I'm sure most of you know, it's a praying culture. Uh, you know, they pray five times a day. They go to the mosque and they pray five times a day. They taught to, to, to do that. So it's a prank culture. And, uh, and I tell you, it is, that is a prayer movement, but it is a demonic prayer movement yeah. that, call, that calls for prayer, goes out in mocks all over the Middle East and many countries. And this call of prayer that's full of curses, you know, saying that God has no son. And, uh, and it's a prayer movement that's been rising for years and years and years. Curses over that land. And wherever they go. And uh, it's, a, it's a prayer movement. It's a demonic. And that is why God is raising up really houses of prayer. And not just, it's a people really. He's raising up a people that are, uh, that are people of worship and prayer. And that is why there is a movement in the Middle East of worship and intercession that is rising. And this, this prayer movement that's led by the Lordship of Jesus Himself, it's come, it's crashing against this demonic prayer movement under Islam, and they're crashing together. The people of God, is, it's a spirit. And that is why we, when we, we saw, we're seeing a little bit the bigger picture, what God is doing, and that's why we give ourselves to worship and prayer to see this prayer movement rise. And the more it crashes, What's going to happen is, and what's already happened, is miracles. It's dreams and visions, signs and wonders. And people, Muslims, having their eyes open. The more this true worship and prayer movement rises, it's coming against the demonic one. And that's why if we don't stop, if we don't give up, if we keep stay humble and stay our, keep ourselves at the feet of Jesus, this prayer movement will continue to rise. Amen. Yes, thank you, Jesus. And we are, uh, it's exciting to see, you know, when uh, we were here two years ago, and right at that time, exactly two years ago, I don't know exactly how to word it, but... It's like a pivot, like a, it's like a shift. ISIS, Daesh, ISIS came to Iraq June of 2014, two years ago. And there was this big, uh, this chaos, as you, you know, we can't imagine. Probably the most extreme terrorist army uh, coming into a country and 
taking over cities and villages and doing what even other terrorists hasn't quite done to that extreme. And uh, so a big, such a chaos. Many uh, people were just, you can imagine, gripped with terror, fear, and that's their goal. That's how Islam works, through that fear and terror. And so people gripped with fear, want to leave Iraq, especially the Christian community. Before 2003, before the fall of Saddam, the Christian background population was more than 1.2 million people. I'm referring to what's known as Assyrians, Assyria. Just in case maybe you visited or don't know, um, uh, Iraq has had the most biblical activity after Israel in Iraq. And, uh, and so there's a, a, a long history of the church in Assyria, in Iraq, especially from Nineveh. Yeah. Uh, in Nineveh, there's, there's the oldest traditional uh, church, Christian church, you know, that's been there for so many years. Not only Jonah went to Nineveh. <laughs> Thomas went to Nineveh as well. And, uh, and I can see why... Uh, both of them didn't really want to go there at first. <laughs> they were wild. They're still wild. And Nineveh, there's the biggest, uh, is the second largest city in Iraq. That's a lot of millions of people. And the city, the main city in Nineveh is called Mosul. Mosul. That's where Al-Qaeda were pretty much headquarters in Iraq. It's a very Islamic city. Missionaries have died there. Uh, many believers have died there. And then when ISIS came from uh, Syria into Iraq, that's where they took over first. A stronghold, that's in Nineveh. And so, since 2003, 1.2 million Christian backgrounds. So most of those are traditional uh, Catholic background. And some of that is also born-again evangelical believers. From 1.2 million, it dropped then less than 200,000. This is before ISIS even came. There's been a major Christian exodus leaving Iraq. Major Christian exodus. To the point that even I've seen articles you know, on BBC and others saying, Will Christianity survive in the region where it originated? Because they're seeing it's like Christians are being killed and they're leaving the Middle East. Well, when I see an article like that, I got pretty stirred up and pretty fired up. Because, let them see it dying. Because I tell you, it's not only going to survive. We're going to see the greatest harvest ever in the Middle East. And there's going to be a people. There's going to be a church and a bride that looks like him, that it's in love with him. It's already happening. In fact, when we first moved there, we told pastors, because we move and they tell us, the church is bleeding. People are leaving. I mean, even we go to one city where we start a house church there. All the Christian background families left. 
A few a couple months ago, the pastor left as well. And now they're saying the church is bleeding. And we were telling them, don't be discouraged. We look to Jesus. His promises will be fulfilled. And we were telling them that the new face of Christianity in Iraq, in the Middle East, the new face of the church will be from Muslim background. So I told them, don't be discouraged because the Christian community background is leaving. There's going to be harvest for Muslim background and it's going to be the new church in Iraq and the Middle East. And guess what? It's actually happening. They're seeing the Catholic or Christian background leaving and now it's become a normal for pastors to have Muslim background coming and asking them to baptize them, asking them for Bibles. And they're seeing it before uh, when we first moved and we started the prayer meetings. Most of the staff and people involved were these guys, Assyrians, Chaldeans from Christian background. And they would tell me, you know, Fabian, we don't like the Muslim background uh, coming to the prayer meetings. We don't feel comfortable. You know, the younger girls, believers would tell me, Fabian, I, I, I want to be able to dance freely. And I don't feel comfortable in front of Muslim background. Of course, I ignored them. <laughs> I smile like I always do. <laughs> And I ignore him. <laughs> now, that was when we first moved there, just over three years ago. And now, there's sometimes in prayer meetings, there's more from Muslim background in the prayer meetings. Not only this, they're starting to lead worship and lead prayer meetings. So we have Muslim background leading prayer meetings and the Christian background sitting there and joining them. I tell you, and it's going to happen more and more. One reason is this, why... Uh, it's, there's been a major demonic attack and focus on Iraq and Syria and that region, the Assyria region. Isaiah 19. Maybe if you can pull it up. Uh, 23 to 25. It says that in that day there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria. The Assyrians will go into Egypt and the Egyptians to Assyria. And the Egyptians and the Assyrians will worship together. Before you move on, uh, back up a little bit, 23. And, uh, and so Egyptians and Assyrians, these are already worshiping the Lord together. In our house of prayer, among the churches that are left there in Iraq, the Egyptians and Assyrians are worshiping God together. They're very excited that this is happening. 24. In that day, Israel will be deterred with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing on the earth. The Lord Almighty will bless them, saying, Blessed be Egypt, my people, Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, my inheritance. Amen. If that doesn't excite you, it does excite me, because, because I, we live in Assyria. Now, it mentioned these three, Egypt, Assyria and Israel. Uh, I'm sure you know, uh, I know my brother here know from Egypt. Egypt, honestly, when I think of Egyptian believers, the first thing that comes to my mind is a blessing. In Egypt, there is a, a, a strong church. And, uh, and most missionaries that come out of the Middle East come from Egypt. There's 24-7 worship and prayer going on in Egypt. It's already fulfilling its purpose as being a blessing on the earth. Now, there's a lot more to happen. But it's, it's visible. It's happening. It's exciting, really. I remember even when Libya uh, started to fall from under Gaddafi, the east side, the Egyptians were the first to start going into Libya taking Bibles. 
I work with Egyptian missionaries in Iraq. They're blessing. They're people of prayer. They're missional. It's amazing. And then it says that Assyria also will be a blessing. Now, if you look at the news, you don't think of Assyria, of Iraq and Syria to be a blessing. <laughs> right? <clears throat> uh, you think when you see on the news, you think of, I know what you think. Terrorism, war, ISIS, bloodshed, corruption, Islam, all these things. And as Pastor said, even said yesterday, for many pastors or theologians, whatever, they ignore this because like, it's impossible. For Assyria, really, to be a blessing on the earth? And I tell you, and it says that Israel will join these two, Egypt and Assyria, a blessing on the earth. No wonder why the devil, the enemy is working so hard to get the light out of Assyria. Why? It's a whole, it's a bigger picture. He's trying so much to get believers to get the light out of Assyria so that God's purposes will not come to pass. Because he knows that when Assyria will, and Egypt both, will be a blessing on the earth, it says that Israel will join also and will be a blessing on the earth. That's why the enemy is working so hard to stop places like Iraq and Syria with terrorism and Islam so they will not be a blessing because he knows that once that happens Israel will join I'm telling you it's all pointing in that direction But there's, but God is doing something else. He's raising up a people that are a people of worship, that are people of prayer, that are people of His presence. That's why we take us being a house of prayer so seriously. Because that's how His presence comes, where He sees a people that He can be Himself with. He's always, brothers and sisters, this is not just for Iraq. I'll share a little bit more about that in a minute. But he always wanted a dwelling place on the earth. He wanted it from the very beginning for a dwelling place on the earth where he lives among men, where he can be himself, where it's his home and he can have a family. He always wanted to have that. He doesn't, he doesn't, he didn't want just to visit when only when people seek him, visit, visit. He always wanted to stay. I'm grateful for the impact that was done in my life and my wife and many, many others from the outpouring that we experienced in Pensacola when the fire came and we fell in love with Jesus. We're thankful for that. And once we've been in that fire, the smoke will never do. We can never settle for less. But we know through the scriptures, but we know through the scriptures that God wants to do more than visit. That's not His original plan. He wants a dwelling place where His presence will remain. That's what He wants. In Ephesians 2, in Ephesians 2, it says that God is building us like a structure. It says where we are building among each other a dwelling place for Himself. Fitted together, it says. Maybe let's read that. This is right before that scripture. It's in Ephesians 2. Let's look at 19. Through 22. 
Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together, being fitted together, grows, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Brothers and sisters, it says that we are being built together, fitted together to be a dwelling place. I believe why God is speaking this more and more because I, I believe His burning desire that's always been from the beginning, it's coming more into fulfillment. It's happening. Be believers, the church is getting it. His presence, unless His presence is with us, we cannot leave. We cannot do anything. Moses got it in Exodus 33. Unless His presence go with us, we don't want to leave. He says, how will they know that we are your people unless it's your presence is with us? What will separate us from the rest of the people unless your presence is with us? And that's what, that's who we are and that's what we need. More than anything is the presence of God with us. I know since we moved to Iraq, I've seen how weak I am and how much I need Him in every single way. Even to drive, I need Him. His presence with us. And this is how He's doing it. He's building us. We are growing to become into a holy temple, fitted together. Even as we're discussing this with our Team, and because God is speaking this to us over and over, to be a habitation, to be a dwelling place. We know as we seek the Lord, and we we boil it down to really the most important two commandments: is first love, is making sure that our hearts are burning with love, and we are falling in love with Jesus. To be a habitation, that's got to be. What moves us, what drives us, why we want to live, to be in love with Him. Amen? Amen. There is success that's being radical or to be a real believer. Some people look at you know, us being in Iraq or being based there, whatever, and, uh, and they think, wow, you're radical. Or they see the fruit and what God is doing and they say, wow, what a fruitful ministry there is. Wonderful, you know, I'm not moved by those comments. Because I know that God is the one doing that. He's the one building His church. He's the one giving the dreams. He's the one saving. He's the one healing. He's the one that's building a habitation, a dwelling place. He's the one doing it. We just get to be part of it. We get to labor with Him. What really is makes us radical or real believer or fruitful is how in love with Jesus we are. It doesn't matter all the fruit and all the things that God is doing. Between me and God, what He sees, how much I love Him and how much I'm excited to be with 
Him and worship Him and my quick to obey Him out of love. That's what makes me fruitful. It's what He sees and not what the rest of the people see. Amen? Amen. This is what God wants to do in all of us. This first love, this burning with love for Him. That's how He builds His dwelling place. It's among people who are really in love with Him. And secondly, is people who truly love each other. Being fit together to be a temple. To value each other and our love for each other is big to God. Amen? Amen. I know I'm not going to get into details, but even our team and things were tested. Our unity was tested. It was tested. It was difficult. (laughs) We went through a difficult time. But because something deep inside knew we needed to please God. Thank God we humbled ourselves. And the lies and things came to the surface. And we've become stronger than before. And even just before we left, we talked about these things openly. And it says that we value each other's relationship before the work that we're doing. Before the prayer meetings. (laughs) I had to put that down myself. (laughs) Even though I'm so burning to see a prayer movement, I had to put that down myself. To even to show my brother, my love for you comes first. This is how God, we're not worried that that we're not worried about preaching the gospel, making disciples. We know if we're truly in love with Jesus, if we're truly burning, there's going to be preaching, there's going to be disciples being made. And if we know that we can love each other enough, that no matter what testing comes, when confusion, when misunderstanding comes, we're going to love each other to the death. And we're willing to stay and and, and pray together and be together until the death. Amen. Amen. Then we don't have to worry because then God has us. Yes. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I wasn't all planning to go into that, but He's building a family. He's building a family on the earth that will be a dwelling place. And what truly unifies us is our love for Jesus and our our our, lo- our hunger for His presence. Are the passion for His name to be famous on the earth. Yes. And what burns in His heart, which is to see people redeemed out of darkness and coming to Him. That's what will unify us. And thank God we're seeing this. We're starting to see this even in Iraq, in a country that's so uh, divided. The spirit of division in Iraq is strong and it cuts deep. The Shia and the Sunnis fighting against each other. Just this morning, some bombs happened in Baghdad. Over 100, how many? 119 people died this morning. Right now it's evening there. That's Shia and Sunnis between them. Uh, and then the Arab, just, it's not just like... Arabs, I mean, there's Arabs, there's Kurds, there's even Persians there, there's Yazidis, there's so many different people groups. 
And they're so divided. The Arabs hate the Kurds. The Kurds hate the Arabs. And this and this. And then the Assyrians hate the Kurds. And then vice versa. And then, you know, it's just all this division. And then yeah, prince, that dark prince starts affecting the church as well. And then you start seeing among believers. And it's like, you know, like, no. But I tell you, we know that Jesus, what He's doing is He's building this one new man. I tell you, it is for a Jew and Arab. And not only this, even among these people groups in Iraq. And guess where it's happening? It's happening even in the prayer meetings. It's becoming normal now in Iraq. That in one single prayer meeting, there's people praying in Farsi, in Arabic, in Kurdish, in Armenian, and in English. And it's like, they're coming together. And it's that's big, it's huge, because these people normally will not mix. But they're coming together, and they're worshiping Jesus. I tell you, they're all with one thing in common. One thing in common is passion for Jesus, and hunger for His presence. And it's happening. Even Jews are, sometimes as we hold these prayer meetings, are being able to come. There's roughly, there's about 20 hours a week right now of worship and prayer going on. And, and at, we call it the Mesopotamia, house of prayer. Uh, the first Friday of each month, we do 12 hours of non-stop worship and prayer. In, uh, and then once a year, we do a hundred hours of non-stop worship and intercession. And, uh, and we did that last year in November. 100 hours, that's about four and a half days, a prayer meeting that long. And I believe there will come a day, and hopefully not too far, where we won't say 100 meetings, 100 hours. It will be nonstop. This is what Jesus is doing. Amen? Hallelujah. So when we do these 100 hours, we've, uh, you know, different people will join us from other places, because it does take people to do that. (laughs) People ask me, do you stay up the 100 hours? No, I don't stay up the whole 100 hours. I don't get a lot of sleep, but I don't sleep, I don't stay up that long. So there's different people that, that come and join us, and from different, uh, some, yeah, some from the U.S., other in the region. And we even had, last November, two Israelis come. That's another big miracle, that the Kurdish government brought them in. Uh, it brought them in, these Israelis, without even their passport stamped. And they're so for, the Kurds are so for Israel. And so they join us in this prayer meeting. And then because I've been, you know, I've been telling them, you know, praying for Israel is like the worst thing among, uh, for them. It's like, don't mention Israel. It's like, this, it's like a, a bad word or something. And the, and, and the believers say the dreamland. They don't even say the word Israel. Like they're afraid because it's a political thing. And their minds is... If you are for the Jew, you mean, it means you are against the Arab. But it's not true. We know this. He's building one new man in Christ. We are one. So we've been praying for this to happen. And so, because they get excited about Assyrians and Egyptians worship together. But Israel, it's like they don't mention it. And I'm thinking, read the next verse. <laughs> it says that as, as Israel will join, and they're like, ah. Oh. Like, no, Israel will join. And I tell them, if you truly want Assyria to be a blessing in the nations, you've got to accept that Israel will join. And to truly be a blessing, you've got to bless Israel. And we need to pray for the salvation of Israel. So we did that during the hundred hours. And I tell you, we had Iraqis, Arab Iraqis washing the feet of an Israeli Jew. We had Egyptians and Assyrians 
washing the feet of Israeli Jew. And I'm telling you, the presence of God came in that place. Tears were shed. And something's been sparking in the belief in the hearts of Iraqis to pray for Israel. I mean, they were praying with fire. Now we even have an Isaiah 19 prayer meeting, we call it, where we pray for Israel. And in this small prayer meeting, there's Iraqis and people from Iran, Iranians praying for Israel. Hallelujah. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. So, amen. Let's play this video uh, about the summer update. You're going to get to see me and David... uh, Jesus commanded us, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. This year we launched our first full-time internship with Muslim background believers. They are being trained in the work of the ministry to be raised up as leaders in this region. They are being taught the scriptures in classroom settings and spend hours every week in the prayer room, both to worship the Lord and seek His face and also to be trained to minister to the Lord in the spirit of the tabernacle of David. These Muslim Begum, soon-to-be leaders, are already leading worship, they're leading prayer meetings, and writing new songs in their native language that's being birded out of them encountering Jesus. Jesus declared that His house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. At the Mesopotamia House of Prayer, we are experiencing God's presence in amazing ways as we are becoming to be a people of one thing. The altar of worship and prayer is rising from this land. We are seeing the spirit of Ephesians 2.15 where the walls of divisions are being broken, where people, uh, where people are coming from different background, different culture, different tongue, Arabs, Kurds, Persians, Jews, Westerners are coming together to glorify Jesus. Incense will rise from every place and this is what will make the name of Jesus famous on the earth. In the summer of 2014, we saw one of the worst tragedies in modern history as ISIS swept through large portions of Syria and Iraq. And as a result, we've seen hundreds of thousands of people stream up here to northern Iraq. And we've seen an openness to the gospel that we believe is unprecedented. Consistently, we run into Muslims, whether in the refugee camps or on the streets, that are having visions and dreams. And they receive the New Testament. They receive prayer when we pray for them in the name of Jesus Christ. And they're seeing many, many healings and being encountered by the Lord in different ways. And we've seen many come to the Lord. And many have entered the baptismal waters of repentance and we believe with all of our heart that now is the time for the harvest in the Middle East for the glory of God. Not only has God called us to preach the gospel, but to plant the gospel. And he's invited us to plant house churches amongst Muslim background believers. Currently, we're working with an Arab uh, house church in the refugee camps and also here in Erbil and in Kirkuk. And God is saving not just individuals, but entire families as they're being taught how to submit their lives to the loving rule of Jesus Christ. And we're seeing an outpouring of God's spirit that we're witnessing that we believe is not just revival as most of us have experienced it, but is seeing a real resting place for his name, a living habitation unto the glory of God here in Iraq. Our team here in northern Iraq now consists of four families, 21 people in total, 13 of which are children. And there's a continued outpouring of God's spirit to really see a covenant community expression amongst us. On behalf of the rest of our team, we want to express how thankful we are that you are a part of our lives and that you're standing with us to advance God's kingdom here through your prayers, through words of encouragement that you send, and your faithful financial support. Thank you. You know, 
this, uh, this, this house church, uh, one of the house churches that we're, we're doing there is, is like David shared, it's inside a refugee camp. The people in that refugee camp are, uh, are Muslims, and they are from Mosul, which I told you about. It's probably the most Islamic city in Iraq. Now, God has specifically spoke to us about Nineveh, and, uh, and it's been extremely difficult to go. That's where ISIS is right, are right now. There's no government. And, uh, but not only God's ways are much higher, and so what God, what's happening is we have these people from Mosul that came to us. So they are refugees, they're displaced Iraqis, and they're living in these refugee camps. That particular refugee camp is only five minutes drive from our house. And, uh, and there are people from Mosul. And we go in there, and uh, I remember, because before, in, in that camp, before the ISIS came, there were refugees, Kurds from Syria. That's another story. Things start happening among them. They moved them to a further away camp. It was sitting empty. ISIS come. Displaced Iraqis were placed in this camp. I remember the first time I went in there just to check it out, and they were, they're Muslims. <laughs> They were, you know, I could feel a little bit, a little bit of hostility. They were not that open and, you know, so I, I knew these, uh, you know, where they're from. Well, we don't give up. We don't stop. Amen. We went with a guitar. <laughs> we went with a guitar in this refugee camp. And I told the, the camp manager, you know, music like therapy, you know, it helps people. <laughs> so he says, go, go ahead, go ahead. And so we went and I, I tell you. Families, men, women, children, everywhere. And so we had a, a worship leader. His name is David Brimer. Uh, he sings the song, Worthy of It All. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. I, maybe you've heard that song. And uh, he's the one. So he comes out there. And, uh, and so we went with the guitar. Now he had learned some words in Arabic. Even that particular song, his songs, he knew the Arabic words. So he started playing the guitar and just went for it. And started worshiping Jesus with Arabic words. And men are gathering, children are gathering, women are coming up. And, and, uh, and, and I'm thinking, you know, he's not hiding. <laughs> he's singing, Jesus, you are beautiful. And I know they understand him. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and so I thought, let's just see. So anyway, so I see these smiles on people's faces. So I think that's, I thought that's a good thing. And, uh, and so he continues, and guess what? Now I'm feeling the presence of God coming. And so I turned to David and I told him, we've, we've, we've got to preach. And so we did for about two or three minutes in the open right there in this refugee camp. And man, we told him, we will pray for your sick. Men lined up waiting for us to go to their tents. We would go pray, come back. The men are still waiting to take us to their tents. These are Muslims to pray for the sick. And something happened when we went into worship in that place. Something broke open. I'm telling you, dreams, dreams, dreams from Jesus. We've been meeting women. I'm telling you, Arab women that had dreams of Jesus like we see in the book of Revelation. I haven't had those dreams myself. And they're saying, yes, I saw like a king dressed in white coming out of the sky. And uh, one old lady, she told me, she says, yeah, I saw uh, this man, beautiful she said this, I saw his beauty. This is an Arab Muslim woman. She told me, I saw his beauty. 
<laughs> she, she didn't know about uh, Psalm 27.4 to gaze on his beauty. She didn't know about that scripture. She just said, I saw his beauty. And, and she said, and, and I saw uh, he was sitting on this big throne. And I seen an angel on the left, an angel on the right. And then she says, and then I asked, who is he? Then she says, I heard a loud voice saying, he is Jesus Christ. Jesus. And, uh, and uh, this, uh, these are Muslims from Nineveh, from an Islamic city that are having these dreams. And now we've seen families, like David said in the video, getting born again. We're baptizing people even out up from Mosul. And we, to the point that we said we need to do a house church inside that camp. And we have it in the tents. It's called the tent church. <laughs> and, uh, and we do it. And their names are like Muhammad, Ahmed. You know, these are all Muslim names. And I tell you, and they're going through persecution in these camps. They're getting beat up. Sometimes with a knife, threaten them. And, uh, or, or, and, and sometimes and we have the house church there. We also bring them out to, to do like a, like a course learning. Because without distractions, because it can be pretty distraction in that camp. And, and then when they go back, they take the Bibles from them. They take their IDs, they beat them. They are going through this. And they haven't been believers that long. And I tell you, and I remember when they first started getting persecuted, they're like calling me, texting me. I remember in the evening, Fabian, we need to meet with you. And I said, what's happening? This is happening, this is happening. They might burn our tent at night. And I just waited for CS. I said, Jesus is with you. We'll meet tomorrow. And so we met and we had a counseling session because they're getting persecuted. So I started to tell them, brothers and sisters, brothers, I told them, you are the fragrance of Christ. I said, if you persevere, if you press through and stay in love with Jesus, I said, the aroma of Christ is going to be released even more from you as you go through these things. And I said to them, this, if you go through it, you will grow even faster. If you go through this persecution, your spiritual growth is going to go deeper and grow faster than the rest of the people. And so they smile and uh, they get it, thank God. And so that's what some we, we've been baptizing. We've been baptizing the only Arabs from, from Mosul, people from Iran, from Iraq, Iran, and Syria as well. From Iran, powerful things have been happening. Uh, you know, the, the, the church there is the fastest growing church in the world. We bring teams continually from Iran, Iran, you call it, uh, from Iran. We continually, we teach, train them for a few days, and then they go back. Out of those teams, we picked five that we wanted to invest in, and that's what you saw, the internship that just finished the end of May. And uh, we're teaching them, raising them up. Some of you, we saw writing, praying. They're the ones also leading prayer meetings now. They're from Iran. Some of them go back, some of them stay there. And this, it's amazing. Another exciting testimony is that just recently just happened, we just baptized this young man. He's from Syria. He's Kurd, Kurdish uh, man from Syria, so Muslim background. <clears throat> when we did the 100 hours, of course, many people came to visit, about 50 from outside Iraq. So, you know, people would email me their plane ticket, uh, itinerary, whatever. So we were reserving uh, uh, hotel rooms at a hotel across the street from us, from our place, from our center. And, uh, and so the receptionist there, that's the young man, occurred from Syria. I would go and I would see him bowing, praying, you know, Muslim prayers, wait for him. That, uh, he's a very friendly guy. 
When we had the teens there, during the 100 hours, Christians do what Christians do. They loved on him, and they were praying for him. And one of the things that was heavy on his mind was he hasn't seen his father in two years. He talks to his father every day. It's a typical uh, Middle East family. They talk every day. And, uh, and so he hadn't seen his father for two years. He was really heavy on him. The believers, American believers, this team was from Virginia, and they prayed with him. As soon as they flew to the U.S., his father came. And he was so touched, so impacted by that, that he told his father and his brothers, there are five brothers total and the mother. The father was in Syria. He came to visit. He told his father, the reason that you are here, because I met a few Christians a few days ago. And I told them about you that haven't seen you. And they prayed. And God heard them. And he answered them. That's why you are here today. He told us. That was in November. The journey started. The team in Virginia, they kept in touch with him every day, texting. Texting him every day, back and forth. I would visit him sometimes, share with him. He, he listened, but he would tell me, Fabian, you know, I'm a Muslim. And uh, I says, I know. <laughs> and, uh, and so anyways, but, but, and then in the, the first week of February, I get a, a message. He said, uh, he says, I, I need help. He says, can Jesus help me? And I want to meet him. So that was February 5th. I remember it really well. And he reminds me every time. And because uh, of the 5th of it month, he told me it's another birthday. <laughs> you know, so February 5th. So I told him, come, come over. We met, I met him at our place with another Iraqi believer. And yes, he was desperate. He was broken. The financial situation was really bad at his home. Thank God he didn't come asking me for money. He wanted answers. And he said to me, Fabian, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm a Muslim. I, I pray five times a day. I'm doing everything I know how as a Muslim. And nothing is working. Nothing is changing. And guess why he came to Christians? Because when they prayed, God heard and he answered. He came to the right place. So I said, okay, uh, his name is Abdul. I said, Abdul, have you ever asked Jesus? I, we ask this a lot. Have you ever asked Jesus to show himself to you? He told me, no, I haven't. I said, are you afraid to do that? He says, no, I'm not afraid. I want to do it with someone that knows how. I said, okay. <laughs> I said, I'm going to pray. My friend, the Iraqi believer, he's going to pray, and then you pray. We did. When it was his turn, he barely got the words, Ya Rab, which means, oh Lord. Barely got it out. As soon as he went, Ya this deep, deep cry got let out. He broke down crying and crying and crying and crying. When he could finally get words, I knew it's going to be his first prayer. Everything was Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, show yourself. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want to know you. Everything. And he kept going and going. And I'm like, this is heaven. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so as soon as he lifted up his face, and I looked at him, his face was shining. Of course, he got born again that day. And from that time, everything's been Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. His love for Jesus burning so much, he told his brothers. And he told me, can I invite him to the prayer meeting? One of them, I said, sure, let, them, let him come see how we love God and seek him. 
And uh, anyways, but he told his brothers, don't tell mom yet. <laughs> well, they did. <clears throat> they did. One evening they told, you know, they're like, oh, Abdul, he's a Christian now. The mother freaks out. She calls the father in Syria, and it's like explosion in the house. The mother's freaking out, screaming. I, you know, I can, I can, uh, the brothers kept him from leaving the house. They locked him in the house for over a month. He had just started out the internship, and he couldn't leave. For over a month, and uh, through another name on Facebook, he managed somehow to get me message, messages to me. And I could tell that he was, uh, he spiritually, he was not strong enough. I knew he would never go back. But I knew spiritually he was not strong enough. And so then after a month, I kept feeling it's time he needs to come out. And so I'm, you know, thinking of other ways. We have different options of how to get him out. But I wanted really the Lord to do it. And uh, I really did. Uh, and uh, and so, uh, so anyway, so then he... He told the mother, convinced her, no money was coming. And he told her, I need to look for work. He did, long story short, he calls me, I go pick him up. He's with us. His mother and brothers, they think he's working, but he's with us. Now he's in the Word, he's fasting, he's seeking God. He's getting spiritually back on his feet, getting deeper. During a three-day water fast, God's voice comes. He's praying for his family, God to save his family. And then he says, this voice, which he knows is God, told me, how can I save your family unless you tell them? <clears throat> and he told me, Fabian, you know, I'm not that courageous. I, that was God. I says, oh yeah, Jesus would say something like that. <laughs> and uh, because before, his brothers told on him. But now, Jesus is telling him, tell them. You tell them. Be witness, be a voice for them. And so, so he says, he says I'm, I'm getting ready. If he says, when I do this with my family, I will overcome anything. And, uh, and so anyway, so this is May. This is close to the end of May before we leave. And so he's like, Fabian, I didn't even tell him about it. He said, he said, Fabian, I want to be baptized. Before I go and face my family, I want to be water baptized. He's preparing for would be the worst thing that could happen. And he says, and I want to do it before you leave for your trip to America. So I said, okay, we'll do it. So you're going to see him getting baptized right here. And uh, so this was only, yes, the last weekend of May, so just a month ago. And since then, yes, he's been to his family. And uh, he told them they're trying to, another way to convince him to change him back. His brother, yes, is still beating him. Uh, and, uh, and he told me, he says, Fabian, I told my brother, you can keep beating me. You can even kill me. But I will follow Jesus and nothing will change me. His mother. He, I know he wouldn't be happy for me to say this. But uh, uh, even his mother is trying whatever she can with demonic manipulation to change him back. She's trying to commit suicide. To change her son back to Islam. And, and jumping off roof, I'm telling you, demonic. And he told me, said, Feynman, I told her, nothing will change me. And now, I tell you, he's being a witness. He's going through it. And, and he's even evangelizing, witnessing to other Muslims in that camp. Can we play that video?
have many words and many many words to say but or the only thing that I can say about how I came to Jesus is through love. You've decided to follow Jesus, forsaking all others. Yes, I did. You've counted the cost of following him and found him worthy of being followed. Yes. Because of your confession of faith and your commitment to follow him, we find it right with God and ourselves to baptize you. And um, this is, and we know clearly from the scriptures, uh, it will be a bloody war. It will be, the persecution will, is not going to end, but it will increase. But the beauty is that his name is becoming famous. And the church is going to become increasingly biblical. It's going to look more like him and it's going to be a bride, a wife that he's coming back for, that is pure, that is sold out, that is willing to lay her life down for him. And he's doing this around the world, even from Muslim background. And just even in this young man, he, he told me himself, I used to hate Israel. You know, his mom, when he got born again, he accused him for being a spy for Israel. For some reason, Israel is always to blame. As not, as not, you know, they're always just grew up like this in the Middle East. And he says, I used to hate Israel. It's just what he grew up. But now he loves Israel. And he's praying for Israel. And I'm telling you, this is going to happen more and more and more. And this is what's happening in Assyria that will provoke Israel to jealousy. I thank you really for being part of our lives and being part of what God is doing in Assyria and the Middle East. 
And I know what he's doing here. He's doing around the world. Truly being a habitation. I encourage you to count yourself in to be that habitation. Because it's made from living stones. It's not bricks. It's living stones for his presence to stay. That means you. So your life being pure. Your heart being pure. Being a people, a person, a mother, a father. A young of his presence is huge to God because that's what he's make his name famous here and around the world. Yes. Amen.